Our scripture reading today, I'm just going to read the first Peter passage, and then we'll come back and look at First Kings a little bit later. But in our scripture reading is First Peter chapter two, verses four to ten, which is on page one thousand two hundred four. If you're using the Black Bibles that are provided for you, so if you would please stand with me for the reading of God's word. First Peter chapter two, beginning in verse four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone of stumbling. And a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race. A royal priesthood a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy." The grass withers, the flowers fade, and yet the word of the Lord remains forever. You may be seated. So I thought it'd be good to at least start with a little bit of the history of Hope of Christ. My family moved to Stafford, North Carolina in August of 2007. And we moved with the express purpose of planting a church here in Stafford County. In March of 2008, well actually let's back up, in October of 2007, we started a Bible study in our home. And by by March, by Easter of 2008, that Bible study in our home was so full that Our living room was full of people. People sat in the hallways, kind of moving down the hall. Kids just sat on the floor in the the living room and we would gather together. And so by March of 2008, we started worship, public worship, at H.H. Poole Middle School, right on Eustace Road, right at the end of our neighborhood. Now, I'm going to give sort of a history of where we've worshipped, but I wanted to take one opportunity, because in 2008, uh, one Saturday afternoon, we had signs, some of you remember the signs that we would put out so that people could see that we were worshipping there at, at the middle school, and, and for a little while, Jacob and I were, were the ones who set this, 
these signs up, and then others would, would volunteer to take that on. And, and one Saturday, we were driving past H.H. Pool, and, and Jacob said to me, Dad, when, so when do you think we'll have our own building? Like when, is the, like, when would the church have its own building? And I thought about it, and I said, ah, oh, I'd probably be in about 10 years. And Jacob, he practically, like, if he had coffee, he would have coffee spit all over the windshield. And he said, 10 years? Dad, I'll be 21 in 10 years. And I just remember laughing out loud and just realizing, (sighs) yep. Yeah, you can, I guess you can come and visit, but yeah, it's going to be a while. So, um, uh, I missed it by five years, Jacob. So maybe not 10 years, maybe 15 years. And I'm grateful that you don't have to come and visit. In 2007, the end of the year, we were trying to decide or trying to figure out really where we would worship when we started public worship. And our oldest daughter, she was at H.H. Pool at the time, and uh, Amy kept saying to me, well, have you called H.H. Pool? Because it doesn't look like there's a church there. And every time she said that, I, as the pillar of faith and trust in God, would say to Amy, there's a church in almost every school in Stafford County. If there's no church at H.H. Pool, it's because they don't want one. And she would say, well, have you talked to them? And I would say, I don't need to talk to them. And so finally, just to stop her from bothering me, during Christmas break, I went up to the church, to the school, and I met with one of the ladies in the back office, and I just said, so I notice you don't have a church here at H.H. Pool. And she goes, oh, yeah, we used to. And I thought, oh, here we go, because churches are notorious about being awful renters. I thought, all right, well, so this is it. She's like, I don't know really why we don't anymore. I mean, the, the, uh, the principal's a Christian, and so I imagined he'd say yes. I was like, oh, well, we would like to come and start worshiping here on, in March. She said, well, let me go talk to the principal. And then she came back out, and she said, that sounds great. Here's a form you need to fill out. And so I went home and explained to Amy that, through my faith and prayer, I had <laughs> procured us a place to worship at H.H. Pool Middle School. H.H. Pool, if you've never been in there, they have those, uh, it's not really a full cafegematorium, but it's more of a cafetorium because they have a, an, a gym also. But we would worship, we would come in, we would set up the chairs. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Uh, we had sticks with 
tennis balls on them that the kids would take around after worship and scrub the black marks off the, off the floor for us every Sunday. Uh, Nisi, if you remember Miss Nisi, she, she was there really just to oversee and make sure we didn't break anything, but she, she helped set up and helped tear down, and she was as involved in, uh, in, in the, that side of the church activities as, as anyone else. We were there for just over a year, and then we went to, uh, we knew that Horizons Church was building a building, and that they had been at Colonial Forge High School since the day Colonial Forge High School opened. And so I went to Colonial Forge's office one day and just said, hey, I'm sure you have a waiting list of churches who would like to come in after Horizons, and I would just like to add our name to the list. And again, they, they said, well, actually, I don't think anyone has asked us so if you want to come in and worship, then it's all yours. And so once again, we moved to Colonial Forge High School, and we, we could barely be contained in the 672-seat auditorium. I say that, the reality is we could barely be contained, because it really doesn't matter how many chairs are in the sanctuary of a PCA church, it would appear. People are going to spread out. And so I don't know if you, anyone who was here at Colonial Forge, I preached from the stage and people sat in those back sections. <laughs> and it was just amusing. But it was, it was nice. It was a great big space that we were able to worship in. And we were there till about 2013, when we had an opportunity, uh, I suppose the way some uh, politicians would call it, we had a little bit of a negative growth at the time. And so uh, we were really overspending at Colonial Forge for the auditorium, and so we had an opportunity to move to more of a just more of a home church type feel uh, and start worshiping at the Seventh-day Adventist church on Joshua Road. And it was a nice little country church if you were there, old-fashioned pews, uh, it, was, it was quaint, uh, and it was, it was really in many ways just what Hope of Christ needed to just sort of kind of force us to sit near each other again and kind of spend some time just growing together. And we were at the Seventh-day Adventist church facility from 2013 to 2020. We were there through the whole first half of the pandemic. And we bought the tent and we had worship that would take place inside the building and then be projected outside the building and people could sit out on the front lawn and, and have church. And I think... Uh, the first time we didn't use the tent, I can't tell you how many people emailed and asked if they could still bring their dog. So that was an interesting addition that the pandemic brought when you would come to worship with your lawn chair and your dog. And so all the things that you got to do. Uh, we started a, we finally started a uh, sort of future facilities team 
in 2020. And they looked around Stafford County to see, uh, see what was available and see where we could perhaps purchase and, and put some roots a little bit deeper down into Stafford County. And some of you may remember, uh, maybe you don't remember, you can go drive past it today on your way home. If you turn right out of here onto Courthouse Road and cross Route 1 to where that new uh, commuter lot is on the left, and on the right, there's a new car wash. And right next door to that car wash is an extremely beautiful metal rusted out building that used to be where Napa Auto Parts relocated. And there was a florist there for a while. And there was a cupcake cooker. That doesn't sound right. Baker there. And so we went and looked at this space because it was for sale. And we could get this rundown, landlocked, fully paved piece of property and metal building for a mere $800,000. And so we began to think, maybe that's not the building for us. The beauty of it was, at least, even though it was expensive, at least it was going to cost a million dollars more to get it church-worthy. So we had that going for us. And so uh, Justin, who was leading our future facilities team, he just was speaking to a friend at work one morning who said, well, I know a church that's, that may be looking to get rid of their building. And so Justin called me and he said, hey, have you heard of New Life Community? And I said, uh, yes. The church that planted Hope of Christ in 2007 planted New Life Community in the 80s. I know the founding pastor of that church. I know some of the elders of that church. And so then we started talking to New Life Community. And so in the middle of the pandemic, in October of 2020, we started worshiping here. At first, just as renters. And then just this past year, the beginning of 2023, we started conversations with them about what it would look like to buy this building from them. And so we had a contract with them by May and it was all finalized by September of last year. And so here we are in this, our very first building that we own for half the price of the rusted out Butler building with exponentially more chairs than we would have had and offices and Sunday school space and it has been quite a blessing to be here and to be able to come here together and to worship God and to 
to recognize all that God has done here at Hope of Christ, to even be able to remember all of the, all of the things that God has done, all the things that He has brought us through, all the things that He has carried us through, all of the opportunities we've had to, to laugh together and to, to weep together, to bear each other's burdens together. And so it raises, at least for me, a question, because buying a building for a church is a lot like getting married. Like, there is a ton of work that goes into getting married. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, most, at least the ladies here who have gotten married will agree, and some men, especially more and more these days, it was, I, it is admittedly very little work for me to get married. I had to wear the suit I was told to wear and show up on the day that I was told to show up. I know that's not as true today for many, uh, many grooms, but, uh, the trouble is, if you, if you think that getting married is the goal, uh, you're going to be in trouble the week after the honeymoon. Because like all the work it took to get married, like it's only just begun. Like the work that now. Like, you can't rest once you've gotten married. It's like having kids. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into having children. Uh, admittedly, more work, again, on the ladies' part than on the guys' part. Uh, but there's work that goes into it. But once the child is born, you don't just kind of wash your hands and say, look what we did. No, now the work really begins. In one sense... The church getting to a place of where we finally have purchased our own facility, our own building, in one sense, it's only the beginning. It's been 15 years of getting here, but here is not the goal. Like we're not here, and now we get to sit back and say, okay, we did it. What is the church after all? Is this the church? And it's, it gets confusing, kids, because I still don't know how to, how to phrase it on Sunday mornings. Like when I say, welcome to Hope of Christ Church. Like that's a lie. That's not true. When I say, welcome to Hope of Christ Church, because this is not Hope of Christ Church. You are Hope of Christ Church. We are Hope of Christ Church. The New Testament, whenever anyone spoke about the church in the New Testament, never spoke about a location or an address. It was always the people. So even when Paul would admit that the church had a location, he would, for example, he would thank God for, for Lydia, in whose home the church met. 
but her home wasn't the church. That would be silly. This building is not the church. And so just some quick survey of some of the things that the Bible says about the church. In Acts 20, verse 28, Paul is speaking to the elders of Ephesus and giving them encouragement. This is the last time he's going to see them before he's arrested. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Jesus did not buy this building with his own blood. Jesus bought you and me with his own blood. We are the church. This is not the church. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. You are the sanctified ones. You are the saints. You are the church. We could, we could have a, I suppose I could say, I don't even know what I would say. I could just start with, we are hope of Christ, but that sounds weird. We could do like a whole, we are Penn State or we are Marshall chant. We are hope of Christ. We are, but then that might turn some people off. They'd be like, they're a little weird. But you are the saints. You are the sanctified ones. You are the church. In 1 Corinthians 3, do you not know that you are God's temple? Now, this is an interesting passage because a lot of times we use this, these kinds of passages and we say, oh, I'm the temple of God. But Paul here says, like, it's a plural you. So in Southern vernacular, it would be, do y'all not know that y'all are God's temple? That God's Spirit dwells in all y'all. If anyone destroys God's temple, y'all, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy. And y'all are that temple. You, gathered together, are the temple of God. When we come together, the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst in a very special and unique way. It doesn't mean that He's not everywhere, that He's not uh, present in all of His creation, but in a very special and unique way, He promises to be present when we gather together as His temple, as His church. Or in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, we are citizens and saints. We're members of God's household. And we together are the holy temple of God. We are the dwelling place for God. This is not God's dwelling place. We, coming together, are God's dwelling place. When we don't own a building, we're grateful for that. When we show up at H.H. Pool, we're grateful to be reminded, thank goodness the building is not the thing. When we go to Colonial Forge High School, thank goodness the building is not the thing. We are the thing. It doesn't matter where we gather. When we gather together, the Holy Spirit calls us His dwelling place. There's this great passage in, in Haggai where the temple is halfway built, like they've got the wall about half constructed, and Haggai comes out and he looks at it all and he says, how many of you were here before the temple was destroyed, so 70 years ago, before we went into exile, how many of you all remember the temple before? And he says, isn't it as nothing? He's, he's like, like this, is the, this is the encouragement that Haggai offers. He's like, look, doesn't this building stink? It's nothing in comparison to what Solomon built. And look around you now. Let's, a little bit of honesty... We used to worship in a 672-seat auditorium with a giant stage three feet up in the air and, and lights that we could turn on and shine down, and, and the, the space was enormous. And you look around now, and we have drooping acoustic tile ceiling. We have fluorescent lights from 1972. We have, I mean, you look around and you say, isn't it as nothing? Yesterday, just to help me remember that the building isn't the thing, Ray texted us. Ray's my daughter. She cleans the church. A picture of the thermostat that said, set at 58, current temperature 50. And she said, it's freezing in here. <laughs> and so then I was texting the deacons. Does anyone know if there's something wrong with the thermostat? I know it was working Thursday. So we came up. And checked the two tanks in the back. And they were so full that the gauge had gone all the way around to E. <laughs> or no, wait, maybe they were empty. And thankfully, Quarles, propane, with whom, by the way, we have no account, they sent someone out gave us some emergency propane and said, we'll figure out how to get your account set up on Monday. 
But for now, here's some heat. This is not the building, or this is the building. This is not the church. Sometimes we need those little reminders. It doesn't mean that we don't want Hope of Christ's address to be a beautiful place of worship, that it would attract people not to us, but to God. It doesn't mean we're going to turn the heat off and remind you when you come in, well, really, this isn't the church. You're the church. You should just keep each other warm. We won't do that. Although we might be tempted, maybe just turn on the heat at the front few rows and force everyone to sit closer. But that's a sermon for a different time. You and I, we are the living stones. We are the church together. We are knitted together. We are fit together. We belong together. Do you know what you call the stone of a temple laying on the ground without the temple? Rubbish. Useless. We have no use other than in being together. Otherwise, we're a pile of bricks. But when we are put together, when we are knit together, when we are mortared together, when we come together, the Holy Spirit fills us and calls us His holy temple. God, who needs no dwelling place, says He will dwell in our midst when we gather together. This is why I wanted to use Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 8 to kind of guide what then this building should be. If we are to dedicate this building to God, what, what do we want this building to be? And it's interesting that Solomon, who builds the temple, has the privilege of, of building the beautiful temple in Jerusalem. His prayer of dedication over that temple, there is a theme that he goes back to over and over and over again. And we won't read the whole thing, but it's on page 339 if you use the Black Bibles. So, for example, in verse 27, Solomon says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that we have built. Yet have regard to the prayer of your servant and to his plea that you may listen to the prayer in verse 29. In verse 30, listen to the plea of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray. Listen in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. In verse 31, if a man sins against his neighbor and is made to take an oath and comes and swears his oath before your altar, then hear in heaven and act. 
in verse 33, when your people Israel are defeated before the enemy because they have sinned, if they turn again to you and acknowledge your name and pray and plead with you in this house, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people. In verse 35, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, if they pray toward this place and acknowledge your name, then turn and turn from their sin, then, then hear in heaven and forgive the sins. Verse 37, if there is famine, if there is pestilence, if there is blight or mildew, if the enemy besieges us, And if Israel, knowing the affliction of his own heart and the stretching out of his hands toward this house, then hear from heaven and in your dwelling place and forgive and act. Likewise, in verse 41, when a foreigner comes and prays toward this house, do all according to what the foreigner asks. Over and over again. Solomon, who has just built the temple of God, he says, let this be a house of prayer where sinners come and you hear and you forgive. If there is something we want this house to be, it is a house of prayer where sinners come and God hears and forgives. May we be a household of sinners who are crying to God and hearing and being reminded again of His forgiveness for us. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, maker of heaven and earth, you who need no space on earth to dwell. We praise you and thank you for this building you have granted to us. Through your son Jesus, Father, you have been infinitely merciful to us. By the pouring out of your spirit, you have cared for and provided for and comforted and counseled us. Father, would you please make this place, hope of Christ, a house of prayer. Would you remind us that we are sinners saved by grace. I pray that we would not come to worship you as those who act like we've figured it all out. But as beggars desperate for bread and wine. As sinners desperate for forgiveness and mercy. God, may this building be used to bring glory to your name. To bring sinners into your kingdom.
to bring the light of the gospel into our community. We pray that you would do all of this for your glory and for your name's sake. We pray that we would look back on 15 years humbled and amazed at what you have accomplished both in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.